Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Discipleship Conditioning. Excited that you joined us today. Got a lot to talk about. Today is the third part in a three-part series. First part, we talked about the phosphagen system. Second part, we talked about the glycolytic system. And today we get to talk about the oxidative system hopefully doing a good job relating training activities and sport along with each system uh, so that if you have athletic endeavors that you would like to achieve or maybe your child has athletic endeavors they'd like to achieve you best know which system to to speak to or to focus on for those athletic endeavors all the while one of the biggest take-homes for me is teaching you about the concept of specificity Uh, Real simple, we'll use the sport of volleyball because I met with volleyball coaches today and it's fresh on my mind. How do you get better at volleyball? The answer is play volleyball, right? Does running the mile help you get better at volleyball? No, running the mile helps you get better at running the mile. So keep that in mind, regardless of what your training is, that's free advice from me to you. Keep that in mind and be specific. Follow the concept of specificity in your training. Application from uh, this text, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, first is the cloud of witnesses. And as I examine my study Bible, I'm reminded of all the examples of faith in the Old Testament, uh, which many scholars think that that's what cloud of witnesses refers to. Now, I'll use that as reference, but again, as I've stated many times, I'm not a biblical scholar, and so I'm not going to dive deep into that. But if we look at the oxidative system, the endurance side of the spectrum of activity, we have some examples of people that have come before us and accomplished some pretty incredible things. I'll use the mile run as an example because most of us in grade school, we had to run the mile probably all throughout our physical education experience. Some of us did well, some of us didn't, some of us ran, some of us walked. Um, But those who train for that specific event uh, have achieved some incredible things. I had to brush up before this podcast to remind myself of just how uh, incredible some of the feats have been. Uh, Did you know in 1954 was the first time someone broke a four-minute mile? Can you fathom a four-minute mile? Uh, I think my best was probably around 530, 520, something like that. Um, And that's probably on the high end. Most people are probably in the six minutes, seven minutes, maybe eight minutes range. Um, So to cut that nearly in half, four-minute mile. Uh, that was Roger Bannister of England in 1954. Uh, pretty incredible feat. Pretty incredible feat. I, I personally would rather try and deadlift a 1,000 pounds than try and come anywhere close to a four-minute mile. Did you know the fastest current mile was three minutes, 43 seconds, just over that, 0.13 seconds above that, three minutes and 43 seconds, I think there's 20 people or so that have broken the four-minute mile since Roger Bannister in 1954. 
Uh, I'll undoubtedly mispronounce this individual's name, but the current record holder from 1999 is Hakam El Guerrero. Probably saying that wrong, and I apologize for that. But nevertheless, 3 minutes 43 seconds is absolutely incredible. And it makes me think about the influence of those who have come before us. So if we look at examples of faith, and the Bible shows us example after example of faith, it's a mark to show us what's possible. And we should be apt to try and achieve, maybe not greater things, but progress and work further, right? If there had not been a four-minute mile by 1954, would the current holder have the record that he has? Probably not. Use the example of deadlifting. Eddie Hall deadlifted, I think it was 1,100 pounds in 2016, 17, something like that. That has since been broken. Uh, that the, There's been, I think, four pounds or six pounds added to that, and the lift has been broken. Uh, now, granted, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that lift. In fact, the two individuals uh, ended up having a boxing match over it to settle their differences. But nevertheless... Uh, whether it was regulated or not, a, a massive amount of weight was moved. And would that have been done had the prior person not broken the record? I, I don't know. Probably not. So as we look through the Bible and we see examples of our faith, cloud of witnesses, it should serve as motivation for us to improve and to do the best that we can. I spoke to this yesterday um, with a group of individuals that we... We don't, we don't become Christian to follow a rule book. Um, as Christians, we don't see the Bible as a rule book. We see the Bible as a story of God's handiwork in us, God's uh, promises to us, God's sovereign nature to us, God's story that he uniquely tells through it, and a major part of that being his son that he sent on earth. And when you fully understand the price that his son paid for, frankly, the worthless life that many of us live, it makes you want to do better. It makes you want to improve for what price has already been paid. And so a rule book is, is a silly way to look at it. And a rule book is a small price to pay no matter what the rule is because of the extreme price that's been paid for you. Whether it's the mile run or our Christianity, life should be a progression. It should be something that we strive to improve. We strive to do better at each and every day in all facets of life. It was interesting as I looked up this world record mile that I had no clue was as fast as it was. I knew that we as a human race had broken four minutes. I knew that, but I didn't realize it was at the level of four minutes in 43 seconds, excuse me, three minutes and 43 seconds. Usain Bolt is someone that comes to mind when we think of fast. And he runs the 100 meter. 100 meter is one lap around the track. That's that's his, his uh, excuse me, that's a fourth. 400 meter is one lap around the track. So his distance is a fourth of that, a quarter uh, lap, basically. And his time is 9.58 seconds, his best time for that. If you extrapolate that times four, that's roughly 39 seconds or so, 38, 39 seconds. And uh, that would by far break the record. I think it's high 40s, low 50s in terms of the record for a 400 meter. 
if we actually extrapolate it further into a full mile, a 1600 meter, four laps around the track, that pace of 9.58 seconds would be two minutes, nine seconds in eight milliseconds, just under two minutes, 10 seconds. Why is that not the record then? Why is the record more than double? Well, not more than double, another minute and 30 seconds, roughly. Why is it so much greater? Well, as we've talked about these three systems, the phosphagen system, the glycolytic system, and the oxidative system, our intensity in which we train, our explosive nature has been decreasing. When you're in the phosphagen system, you're as explosive as you're ever going to be, and you fatigue very quickly. When you enter the glycolytic system, you can't help but slow down or lower your intensity in order for the duration to extend. Otherwise, the duration wouldn't extend and the activity would be over. And as we enter the oxidative system, a similar type of change occurs. In order to lower the intensity, or I should say, in order to continue the duration, the intensity has to be lowered. So to run at this pace for any more than 9.58 seconds, he's clearly at the edge of the phosphagen system entering the glycolytic, he would have to shift down. Now, I'm sure if Usain Bolt ran a mile run, it would be faster than any of us speaking or listening to this podcast could do, assuming that there's not a listener who's a world-class mile run athlete. But he's a world-class athlete in and of itself, in and of himself, and I believe that he'd produce something that was pretty incredible, but it undoubtedly would not be two minutes, 10 seconds or anywhere close to that. It probably wouldn't be at the three minute, 43 second mark. It'd probably be four something just giving credit to how amazing of an athlete he is. Uh, But he is clearly uh, the best in the world in that 10 second range, which is likely why he runs the distance that he runs. Really, from a genetic standpoint, world-class athletes are as simple as that. They've hit the genetic lottery in terms of their makeup, their genetic makeup on what they are predisposed to compete in. And then they also have the psychological component that they enjoy it. I'm not going to tell you that I could have been an aerobic superstar. I don't think that I could have. But I did hit the genetic lottery when it came to aerobic training. Without really even training for it, or trying for that matter, I ran about a 5 minute 30 second mile. I think I was 15 or 16, something like that. Had I enjoyed that experience, which I did not, uh, I could have trained those genetics and probably hit under 5 minute mile. Um, Would that have amounted to anything? Who knows? I'll never know because I didn't have the psychological component. I didn't enjoy it. These people, like Usain Bolt, not only enjoy the activity, but they are uh, disposed genetically to be gifted at it. If you look at the best football players, best volleyball players, best whatever sport, um, the best of the best were genetically gifted in that area and likely enjoy it. If they don't, they'll likely fizzle out. Second part of the verse or two verses that I'd like to focus on is run with endurance. You've heard it before. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's Christianity, right? Our faith is not a sprint. It is a marathon. There's going to be times where it's difficult and times where it's relatively easy considering what we've been through. For some of us, uh, 
we do not participate in those endurance-like activities. And for some of us, the reason may be they're just flat out hard. If you struggle with your mind and your mental fortitude, we have a lot more time to think about the activity when you're running a mile is is compared to uh, lifting something heavy one or two times. The last part I'd like to focus on is enduring the cross. Um, If we examine anything that's difficult in our lives, it's peanuts in comparison to what Jesus experienced. Do you think that the cross got easier over time? No, it got difficult. It got harder to support his weight. Eventually, uh, producing water on the lungs and suffocating him from that way. There's a lot of scientific literature to support that and make that connection with the Bible of the spear entering his thoracic cavity and water pouring out. Um, it was not not easy. It's, it's one of the most grueling things any human could possibly uh, imagine. Trying to make a comparison between that and simply endurance running seems very silly. It seems uh, quite extreme to make that as a comparison. It seems even sillier to complain about the hard aspects of endurance running as we're running and everything in us is telling us to stop. To make the comparison to what Jesus did seems quite extreme, but in the way that Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 is laid out, not only should we do that with endurance running, we should do that with all aspects of our lives. And I'm not saying that in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, they're talking specifically about endurance running. It just so happens that they use that as an example. But really, the example that's trying to come across, whether the author is Paul or someone else, is that we should have endurance in our lives, and we should be pursuing Jesus, using, using his life as a model example for what we do. Do we have a choice in our endurance? We do. We can quit at any time. Jesus didn't have a choice in the cross. He couldn't quit. He could, but that would be the end of his life, which is what eventually happened. And with us, we're talking about training here. Can we quit in our endurance activity? Sure, we can. But every little step that we push it, that we make the choice to do what is hard over what is easy, look at the benefits In fact, a lot of times people who train and they do the same activity over and over and over again wonder why they don't achieve results. Well, it's because the modifications, the large extent of the modifications that occur in adaptation of your musculoskeletal system are largely in those periods of pain, in the periods of suck, if you will, the periods where there's burning and everything's telling you to stop could do 10 reps over time, over and over and over again. And as you adapt to 12 reps, most of the bang for your buck, the adaptation is happening in that 11th rep and that 12th rep. Otherwise, we just remain the same and we do three sets of 10 forever. It reminds me of a movie, which if you haven't checked out, I strongly, strongly suggest that you do. It's called The Heart of Man. If you haven't heard of it, And you have children, make sure you watch it when children go to bed. Uh, There's some very adult topics in there. uh, And it is more geared towards men than it is women. But both genders can benefit from from listening to it, uh, from watching it. And in it, there is a psychologist named Dan Allender. 
This movie was 2017. And he says something, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something to the effect that without the ability, in terms of our faith, without the ability to say no, the selection of yes or the answer of yes has no meaning. We know God is all-powerful. God created everything. We know it would be a very easy task for him to get us all to submit. In fact, at some point, it likely will happen that way. It says that at some point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There will be submission, forced submission, perhaps. But that's not the current state of affairs and what we live in. We're given free will in our faith. And just like if you have a child and that child grows up, and they choose to do their own thing, how much more pleasing is it? How much more rewarding is it when they make their mistakes and then they choose to come back to you? And I think that's a fair analogy when it comes to how we as God's children behave. My story is very profound because of the depths of sorrow and all the things that I've gone through to then go through that and not have the perspective that, Oh, God's mean and God hates me and blah, blah, blah and boo-hoo. But to have the perspective of being thankful for what God's done for me and clearly making the choice to say yes to him and return to that faith. In endurance training, we have that opportunity to say no. But look at how much value there is in saying yes to continue. So I'd like to use this verse, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, as an opportunity to progress in our faith and progress in our training, regardless of whether you do strength training or endurance training. The opportunity for us to say yes is there, and the benefits exist within that realm of our opportunity to say yes. It's a reminder of our mission and what we do. We bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can enhance our performance, serve our households, and follow God's calling in our lives. Today's benefit we've largely talked about uh, already, but as I clear my mind and share my depth of knowledge with you, I'd like to continue this three-part series and specifically talk about the oxidative system in terms of metabolism of activity or the physiology of activity. Today we're talking about the oxidative system as we've already entered into. And we ended last week with a topic called the fate of pyruvate. Recall that the, at the end of glycolysis, you have a molecule called pyruvate. And that pyruvate is either sent to lactate or is sent to eventually acetylcholate and eventually citrate uh, down this other pathway. So largely what we talked about last week was the pyruvate lactate connection and everything prior to that. We didn't talk about the number of carbons within each molecule. If you look at glucose, glucose is a six carbon molecule. And if you look at pyruvate, it is a three carbon molecule. So for every one molecule of glucose, we get two molecules of pyruvate. And this is important when we look at how many cycles through the citric acid cycle we can take. The citric acid cycle is the main engine, the main thing that's going on in the oxidative system. You could also call the oxidative system the aerobic system, and that would be fair. That would, that would be understood in the world of exercise physiology. This is the first time where we need oxygen, which is truly why we call it aerobic rather than anaerobic. And the utilization of a molecule of oxygen, specifically O2 in the molecule form, is utilized to help convert that three-carbon molecule, acetyl-CoA, uh, further, or excuse me, that three-molecule 
carbon molecule of pyruvate into the two carbon molecule acetyl-CoA. So we have an extra carbon hanging out and it pairs with O2, CO2. That's where we first get carbon dioxide. And as we continue metabolically in this way, we build up carbon dioxide in our system, which is why we breathe at a faster rate to expel the carbon dioxide and bring in as much oxygen as we possibly can. From that point where it's a two-carbon molecule, uh, acetyl-CoA, we then combine it with oxalacetate, which I totally mispronounced last week, which is a four-carbon molecule to make a six-carbon molecule called citrate. And from that point forward, we can cycle citrate to produce as much adenosine triphosphate as we possibly can. From this, depending on the textbook you read, we're going to get about 32 to 38 molecules of adenosine triphosphate per one glucose molecule. So we're measuring from the start of glycolysis to the end of the Krebs cycle for this. Why the range? Why 32 to 38? Well, some of it depends on the muscle um, versus an organ. The liver is the primary organ that produces adenosine triphosphate. Its numbers are traditionally going to be closer to the 38, whereas skeletal muscle is traditionally going to be closer to the 32. So most textbooks will state that range. And if they don't state that range, you'll hear usually 32, 34, 36, or 38 is the number that they, they denote. This form of exercise is completely outside of my wheelhouse. Why? Because of the psychology that I talked about earlier. I simply do not enjoy this type of activity or this type of exercise. I joke and say if it's above 10 feet, it's long distance to me and I don't want to do it. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but it's kind of funny. And um, I really don't run more than 10 feet very often in my life. I tend to exist in their first lecture, which was the phosphagen system primarily. That's where I get the most joy out of exercise. Today, I was able to meet with a independent uh, club volleyball team, an organization that serves through a Christian perspective, serves athletes in our local community, the Meridian and Boise, Idaho area, uh, and does so quite well. And what I'm trying to do is get involved in a strength and conditioning capacity for them. I also heard about the FCA, which maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I've reached out to them as well to see if I can help out with a strength and conditioning capacity. Through this process of recording the podcast over the last four months, five months, I'm really learning a lot about myself, and I'm learning that where I'm happiest from a professional standpoint is where I have three things occupied. One would be coaching a team which I'm searching to do. One would be teaching a class, which I teach many. And the third would be fostering a community, which we have a community through erratphysiology.com. If you're interested in what we do at erratphysiology.com, I would suggest you check our website out. At our website, you can have a link to our podcast. You can have a link to our community. You can have a link to our products page. Our products page, we have strength and conditioning programs, so that's more of the coaching side of things. Uh, our community is where we foster a relationship with fellow men and women, and we foster community supporting them in, in their endeavors and what they're doing, and so that can be found there. We also have a new website up, links.airratphysiology.com. 
Part of what we do is a little bit of affiliate marketing. So we have programs, or not necessarily programs, but software and different pieces of hardware, um, exercise equipment, whatever that we utilize and we recommend. Uh, if you're interested in some of the things that we use, you can go to links.airratphysiology.com and click on one of them and, and purchase them. And if you use that link, there is a kickback to us and, and we highly appreciate that if you do. If you're interested in anything else we have going on, or perhaps you know of a coaching opportunity uh, that I could be of service in, I would appreciate that. Uh, reach out at hello at airratphysiology.com. We also have the email prayer at airratphysiology.com. If you have prayers, please reach out to us. We would love to pray for you on whatever it is you're going through. We would request prayers for you that this five-month experience would turn into a 10-month experience and that it would continue to foster the same things that it's been fostering and give us clarity of mind on where we can best serve. Because at the end of the day, we don't necessarily care what we do. We certainly selfishly want to focus on exercise physiology and strength and conditioning. But at the end of the day, the goal is to serve God, to serve Jesus in all that we do. And if he has granted us an area of expertise in strength and conditioning, and he sees it fit for us to serve in that way, then that's how we want to submit and serve. We hope that as this podcast has progressed and you've seen the way that I've learned a lot about myself over time, over these 30 some odd episodes, that you are challenging yourself in that way as well. And you're learning a lot about yourself and examining how you can serve God to the best of your ability, given the gift of expertise that he's given you in a specific area. And if you say that you don't have expertise, I would challenge that. I bet that you do. I bet that you do have an area of expertise and you have a gift, a primary gift and a multitude of gifts that you can share with those around you. Excited to see where the firehouse goes, men's group on Wednesday mornings, where that goes. Uh, you can see that God is moving in both areas and something will come of that. We also ask for your prayers in those areas and uh, we are excited to see what unfolds. Excited to see this story play out in a lifetime. For today, our take-home message is really endurance. Endurance. How can you test your life with endurance, whether that's your training in life, whether that's your faith, whatever it is. How can you test your life with an endurance? Let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. <laughs>